Do you remember the first person that you told about Jesus? For me, it's kind of a blur because when I accepted Christ, I was so excited and so just full of this fire and this need that I told everybody. I mean, it didn't matter who you were, where you were, what you were doing, where we were at. I was going to tell you about Jesus because I needed to tell you about Jesus because you needed to know about Jesus. There's this excitement that we have when we find Jesus. There is this excitement in knowing that something has fundamentally changed within us. We go from this place of, of sinner to saint. We go from this place of someone who was lost in their sin to a person who has put faith in, in, in Jesus. And now we have been painted, as the paintbrush would show, and our sin is covered. And so when, when it comes our time to stand before God, we stand there and He sees the blood of Jesus. And He allows us to enter into an eternity with Him. This week we are continuing in our series, Follow Me, with, with an encounter. Uh, usually, or so far, we've been looking at the invitation from Jesus. We've been looking at simply the ways in which Jesus says, follow me, and, and, and the ways that, that those things happen and what he has said. But this week, I want us to look at the response of one who has found him. I want to see what happens to, to the person who hears him. And so this week, we are in the book of John. We are in the first chapter. In the first chapter of John, the theological gospel, you have all of these things that have happened, and, and John describes Jesus as that word that was in the beginning. He gives all of this great theology of the pre-existent word of God. And then you see John, Jesus get baptized by John in the Baptist in, in the river. And then we see this next thing there in verse 43. It says, The next day he decided to leave for Galilee, and Jesus found Philip and told him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked him. Come and see, Philip answered. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here is a true Israelite. No deceit is in him. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathanael replied, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus responded to him, do you believe only because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And then he said, I assure you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we come to you right now. And we thank you, we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time, Father. Use it for your glory, make every need known. Father, may we hear your message today. And we ask all of these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. John's gospel here gives us a little insight or a little light into some of the events that happened either right before or right after the fishers of men calling. Jesus, at this point, is pretty alone. You know, he doesn't have a great big following. It isn't as if um, Jesus, you know, it's not like Philip and Nathaniel are, are numbers 11 and 12 of the disciples. They're pretty close. They're, they're pretty there. And so we, he sees Philip, and he says, follow me. 
Now, Philip, it seems, immediately seeks out Nathanael. And we know from what he says that he's heard much more about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done than simply Jesus saying, follow me. Because here from Philip, we have one of the earliest confessions of who Jesus is. We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And so Philip here is proclaiming, this is the guy. So he's heard something from somewhere. And then Nathaniel kind of dumps water on what he's saying, right? <laughs> Jesus from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, this it's Nazareth. And so as we read this, when we see some things here, the first thing that, that really stands out in the passage is that what we think we know can hinder faith in Jesus. Nathaniel's there. He's just doing what he always does. Philip runs up and says this, Hey, we found him. Man, it's exciting, Nathaniel. It's Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathaniel's like, um, it's Nazareth, Philip. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, Nathaniel here isn't just talking out of disdain, even though there is some of that, because Nazareth was not looked on highly by the other people in Israel. Nazareth was kind of the redneck joint, right? Jesus was our people. I mean, he, they, were, they, they were seen as backwards. I mean, this was, it's Nazareth. So there's a little bit of this, this, this term there. But he's also looking at the fact that he knows the Scripture. In the Jewish texts, nobody is ever really directly prophesied from Nazareth. From the Jewish perspective, there's nothing there. And so, so Nathaniel's kind of like, hey, wait a minute. Nope, Bethlehem's there. There's some stuff about Jerusalem, but this Nazareth stuff, I don't know where you're getting it from, but can anything good really come from Nazareth? Can he really come from there? Could this be true? Now, Matthew does make a comment in his gospel. He says that he was brought back from Egypt by his parents to be settled in Nazareth, so he would be called a Nazarene, as the prophets say. But he doesn't say prophet. Every other time Matthew talks about a, a prophecy in Scripture, he says the prophet, and you can trace it to one general prophecy. But in that one, he says prophets. So maybe he's looking at the overall teaching of the prophets of the Messiah, this despised character in Israel, that he would be from Nazareth. You know, he's the wrong part of the tracks. He's over there. But there also is this Nazareth and Netzer. It's Hebrew words. They're the same root word. Nazareth, the town of Nazareth, and Netzer, the branch, could be a play on words. The idea that Jesus is the branch, the offshoot of Jesse, the one who is to come up. He shall be called the branch. So this is one of those mysterious prophecies. So Nathaniel here is simply speaking to what he thinks he knows. How often do we let what we think we know keep us from what Jesus wants us to do? I was at a place one time, and we were uh, brainstorming ideas of how to do outreach, of how to do some things. And one of the things that was brought up was, were things that we thought we knew, right? Well, we could do a, we could do a chili cook-off. Well, we used to do that in the past, and it turned into this and this and this and that, and it just was not a good thing, so we probably shouldn't do that. Well, you think you know something. Maybe God's calling you to do it. But we let the things that we think we know get in the way of what it is that, that God wants us to do. What if you are the way that Jesus is planning to do something? Well, 
they wouldn't really like me. They're not my kind of people. So maybe, I, God, I know, I know you'll send somebody to talk to them. But what if you're the one God wants to send? What, what if God is, has this singled out for you? What if they're in a position in that moment to where you are the one who can speak to them? Because we all are different. We all have different things, and we all have things that, that make us and set us apart. And so we, we, we tend to congregate with people who look and act like us. I don't know why. It's human nature. Now, you know, if that may be okay in most circumstances, but what if God's calling you to someone who is completely different than you are? But small towns, whew, small towns are hard. Let me tell you why. Well, that's old so-and-so's kid. And, and, and we're all supposed to know what that means, right? That's old so-and-so's kid, so I really don't know if that's going to work because old so-and-so, you know how old so-and-so was. And because old so-and-so did that, his kid has that kind of tendency. Or, well, I knew you when you were a kid. I don't... So? I mean, you know, my mom and I had a discussion once because my sister was living with me and uh, her... Her brood, her, it was two kids at that point. Two kids and her, her ex-husband. And they, I was living in my bedroom. The house was messy. My mom, I called my mom and said, Mom, I'm living in my bedroom. She said, Troy, I knew you when you were a teenager. Mom, I'm 25 years old. I'm not a teenager anymore. I keep this place spotless. I, she moved in with her a few minutes later. She called me. She said, Bub, I'm living in my bedroom. Nah, don't talk to me. I already told you. Things change. And what we think we know can get in the way of what God wants us to do. Because we think we know something. We, well, we know them. They've always been this person. They've always done that. But luckily for Nathaniel, Philip was persuasive or snarky enough to get him to go. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see. Get up and go find out. Go look. That's the only way you're going to know. Because obviously you don't believe me, Nathaniel. Obviously you're looking at me going, huh? So come and see. And then Nathaniel comes walking. <laughs> comes walking. And Jesus cries out. The funny thing to me is that you do realize that being genuine can open the door to faith in Jesus. Philip could have went into an apologetic there, right? He could have went into an apologetic argument. He could have tried to prove what he said he believed. Well, you know, I know no real prophet said this, but the prophets overall talked about just like I did a while ago. There's a reason I did that. He could have went through that, that whole big apologetic argument. This is why this says that. That's why this could be that. He could have tried to prove that. How often are we guilty of that? Someone some says to us something that we don't agree with, and we go on the defensive, and we sometimes speak beyond what we know rather than just being genuine. Did you realize that I don't know can go a long way? We don't have to have all the answers as believers. When someone comes to us with a very, very, very hard question, we shouldn't make something up. But we try to. Well, you know, in First Hesitations, chapter 16, that, you know, we try to make some stuff up. We try to pull it off the top of our head. Well, I really just believe this. 
Well, just because you really believe something doesn't mean the Bible says that. And so we, we have to be able to say to someone, well, I don't know. I told you about Miss Faye, remember? Brother Troy, in the Old Testament, when they sacrificed all those things on the altar, whose job was it to clean up the blood? Miss Faye, I don't know. I wasn't there. But I can look and I can search with you and I can try to find it. I don't know. This idea of being genuine can open the door to faith. People will come to faith in a Jesus who is real. I told Carrie the other day, and I may have said it in the office too, I don't know, you know, you can check with Camry, that sometimes when I get around other pastors, I just don't feel quite enough. Because I don't like to sit around reading theological books. I don't, you know, sometimes my radio plays a little bit of um, Led Zeppelin. Um, you know, I do some things that some people may go, well, a pastor shouldn't do that. Okay, but if a pastor shouldn't do it, you shouldn't either. That's just the truth of the matter. But when we're genuine, it opens doors. We're able to talk to people and people see us as real. Jesus talks over and over and over in the New Testament about those who will be accepted. And he's very genuine about it. And it makes the religious people mad, right? Pharisees walking around in their robes, making all the noise in the temple, saying these great big prayers. And, and Jesus is like, dude, y'all ain't getting in. This one over there's getting in. That woman over there's getting in. That, that's what he keeps saying. It's the people who were genuine. And, and when we see people come to faith in Scripture, it's because someone was genuine. Not, not because somebody stood up and they looked like they were completely holy. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little put off by people who look holy. Because I don't feel like I should be talking to them. I don't know. That's just me. Maybe I'm from Nazareth. I don't know. I'm a little backward. I'm a little redneckish. I was called that one time. Huh, Carrie? <laughs> Carrie's ignoring me. First thing that was said to her when I walked in the first time to take her somewhere was, he's just so country. Yes, sir. I agree. And there ain't a thing wrong with it. Because I am who I am. And I try to be genuine. And, and either, either you want someone who's genuine and that opens doors, or you want someone who's not genuine and who puts up walls, and there you're not moving anywhere anyway. Being genuine opens this door. It allows us to go into people's lives. Anybody ever read about St. Patrick? Not just... The Irish stuff we see about the 17th of March. Not the, not, the, not the bars and everything else. The actual life of St. Patrick. He was a very interesting man. Because he came from the background he was in. And he went to Ireland, the place of heathens. And he lived with them. And he was genuine with them. And he built up this community of believers by living with them daily. Not by going in and saying... I'm St. Patrick. I follow. No, no, no. He lived with them. 
He loved on them. He built them up. And then when he got ready to move on, he would take two or three with him and they would go to the next town and live with them and love on them and be genuine with them. Being genuine opens up the door to faith in Jesus. Nathaniel comes walking up to Jesus. He's just basically slandered Jesus. Can anything good come from Nazareth? He used the N-word. He did. That's the equivalent. And Jesus sees him come. And Jesus says, this is one of my arguments for God having a sense of humor. Here is a true Israelite. No deceits found in him. Y'all don't laugh like I do? Okay. That's funny to me. Man, Jesus knows all this stuff. And so here he is, and he says, how do you know me, Jesus? Now, okay, let me explain. I'm not a stand-up comedian, evidently. Jesus was a pretty good one. Here is the true Israelite. No deceit is found in him. And Philip goes, huh, how do you know me, Jesus? Philip believed it. You know, Nathaniel believed what was being said about him. Woo, yes, no deceit. And Jesus then says, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. You know, Jesus sees us during the formative times of our life. I don't know what happened under the tree but something did something was going on under the fig tree now he wasn't philip wasn't and nathaniel wasn't there taking a nap he wasn't just relaxing he wasn't having a picnic something happened that we're not privy to maybe the fig tree is his private prayer spot maybe he was having a theological battle of the heart maybe he had taken a solemn vow something had happened under that fig tree when jesus said to him i saw you under the fig tree nathaniel said rabbi you are the son of god you are the king of israel that's how i know something because if he had just been sitting there, he'd be going, oh, you could have passed by and saw me. Something happened. When Jesus said, because I saw you before Philip came, you were under the fig tree. And Nathaniel went, oh, oh, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Jesus sees us during those formative times of our life. He sees us do our battles. He sees us in our struggles. He sees us in our doubt, and he sees us through to victory. Jesus sees us there, and he sees us when those things are going on, and he walks with us, because the truth is, Jesus has always known us. He's known us from the day we were conceived. He's known us. He has watched us. He said to Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree. But maybe to you, he says, I saw you when your dad was teaching you to fix a flat. I saw you when you had your first drink. I saw you when you made the decision to walk that road. I saw you when you got married. I saw you when it fell apart. I saw you in every situation and every time in your life. Jesus has always been there. He has seen it all. He has walked with us through it all. He has been there all the time, always. There is nothing that we have done or seen or said that Jesus has not been a part of and privy to. He's always there. 
That may scare some people. <laughs> I always used to tell youth, the test about whether or not you should be doing something is, would you want to be doing that when Jesus shows up? And then I would really punch him in the gut. Jesus is always there. Boom! <laughs> you shouldn't be doing that. If you don't want Jesus to see it, he's going to see all of it. He's, he's always there. He walks with us through everything. And there is that time in your life that he saw that you think he didn't see. And you're struggling with it. And Jesus is there saying, I'm here. I see you. I walk with you. I understand it. And I'm there. Because for Nathaniel, man, that was a watershed moment. He was there under the fig tree and Jesus saw me. He saw me. How did he know? How did he know I was struggling with that? How, how did he know I needed that? Jesus, you're the Son of God. You're the, you're the King of Israel. But I think the most exciting thing to me about this passage is that we don't ascend to God. God descends to us. Mm. Two summers ago, we went to Lake City, Colorado. Micah was two, barely walking. And we uh, went to a uh, shop in town and asked them for an easy trail to walk. Um, they said, oh, you know, you go up, it's about a mile and a half up, and it's just a good easy trail, no problem. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, still got nightmares, no. Uh, it just, a switchback back and forth. We probably made it a mile and a half in, and in that mile and a half, we went up about 3,000 feet with this two-year-old who had to sit down every 10 feet because her little legs were going as hard as they could up this 10,000 feet. And we're just like, well, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was three, four, five. But anyway, we were just going along. It was tough. We were like, oh. So then she's like, Daddy, carry me. Oh, Jesus, help me, please. Because, man, yeah, you start carrying her and she gets even heavier. And finally, we give up and we get down and I finally get back to a place where there's internet on my phone and find out this is a 14-mile trail. We were never going to make it where we were going. But Jesus knew where I was on the side of that mountain. He could come to me. I don't have to go through the trials of ascending to him. I don't have to walk the road of getting where he is because he comes to where I am. And that's the most amazing, peaceful thing. Because we don't have to be perfect to get to God. God brings his perfection to us. That paintbrush brushes us bright red. So when Jesus looks at us, and when God looks at us, he sees the blood of Jesus. Man. You know, there's a theme here in the book of John. It's who finds who. Because in one verse he says, you chose to, they say, we chose to follow you. And in the next verse he said, and I called you. Because Jesus comes to us. Maybe this morning, maybe you're like Nathaniel. 
Maybe you're seeking out God's will. You're struggling under your fig tree. You know, we all need time under the fig tree. We all need time to talk with God and wrestle with those things in our life that may be hard. You know, that's what the fig tree really is. It's that place where we go and we say, okay, God, I don't understand. I don't get it. You know, have you ever been there? I don't get it, God. I don't get it. I know, I know you ask this, and I know you tell me you're walking with me, but God, I feel alone. I feel like everything's falling apart. That's the fig tree. When you're wrestling with God and saying, okay, God, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, but God, I know you know. I know that you hold this world in your hand because God is even now searching for you. The question this morning is, what will you do? Because he tells Nathaniel, you believed me just because I saw you in your struggle, basically? I saw you under the fig tree? You believed me because I said I saw you there? You're going to see greater things than that. You're going to see heaven open. woo yeah. And honestly, Barry, I don't care if I get a cabin or a, ma- a mansion. It doesn't matter to me. I'll sh- shovel out the stalls as long as I'm there in the halls of my God. That's what I want. The presence of God all the time, right? Man, maybe you are this morning. Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe, maybe you've been Nathaniel. Maybe, maybe you've been Philip. Maybe you <laughs> were Philip and had your, had your joy and excitement crushed. That's the other half of this story that could have been, right? How many of us have gone to someone purely excited about the prospect of sharing Jesus only for that person to tell me to stop? I don't want to hear that. Don't talk to me about Jesus. You know, it could, it could crush somebody, and maybe you're Philip. Maybe this morning you went so excited to share with someone that you absolutely loved, a member of your family, and they said, don't talk to me about that. God's reaching down to you too. Maybe you're Nathaniel. You've been, you've been under the fig tree just struggling with whatever it is that was on your heart. God's reaching down to you. Maybe this morning you have some other need. You want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to surrender to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus. Maybe you've never had the chance to follow him. Now would be the perfect time. You just walk the aisle and you say, Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus, and we'll go from there. But whatever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time. Father, use it for your glory. Father, make every need known. Let no one leave here today with a need that went unmet. Father, we thank you and we praise you. And we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. Amen.